to every, every single dad out there, your kids want you and they need you. They need their mom. They want their mom. They need you in a very different way. You feel insecure. Get over it. Start. It's never, ever, ever too late to have a great relationship with your kids. Hey, what's up, friends? I'm Vince Del Monte, father, husband, and the OG of online fitness marketing. For more than a decade, I've been committed to helping skinny guys pack on muscle. And after building multiple seven-figure online fitness businesses, I've achieved freedom and financial security through mentorship, hard work, and my passion for fitness. And I want to help you do the same. Recently, I've built the best mastermind coaching program that exists for fitness professionals by giving you the shortest no BS path to grow to six, seven, and even eight figures regardless of your starting level. My coaching was designed to give you the skills, systems, and support to become an industry mover and shaker and build the business and life of your dreams. Hey, and welcome back to the Vince Del Monte podcast. This is Adrian, Vince's brother. I am so excited, more excited than normal for a podcast episode. It has just been a huge week, and we've got a very special announcement. Uh, but we are launching Cohort 006. It is our biggest group yet within the Bedrock community. The group just keeps growing. You know, it's also fall. My kids are into cross-country running, hit a new squat PB. We're launching Strong. Strong is the female accompaniment to Bedrock today. Today is just a good day. <laughs> and if, if that wasn't enough, Today's podcast guest has been someone who I have looked up to for the last 15 years. Today, I'm speaking to Dr. Meg Meeker. Uh, Dr. Meeker is a global leading authority in child-father relationships. She has 30 years of experience as a pediatrician. You may have read one of her books. Uh, She is the host of the popular parenting podcast, Parenting Great Kids. And mostly what I love and what you'll love about this conversation is that she is an advocate for dads, and she equips them with tools and training. You know, I talk a lot about the power of paperback mentors in my life, and Dr. Meeker has been our go-to for raising our kids. You know, when I read her book, uh, Boys Should Be Boys, or her other book, Hero, or when my wife Amy read Strong Mothers, Strong Sons, those words just guided us in our parenting of our three sons. You know, I I would say, and we talk about this in the episode, that she's unclogged things. You know, there is a lot of confusion out there about what parents should do with screens and kids' busy schedules and insisting on family dinners, my role versus Amy's role, like all the things. And she unclogs a lot of the confusion and she empowers dads to be good fathers. You know, uh, one of the things Dr. Meeker said that really landed for me is that dads today have good intentions, but they don't believe they can lead, that they've been told that mothers lead and they kind of like follow. And what you'll find in this conversation is that Dr. Meeker believes, and, and you will too, that you have everything you need to be a good dad. And we wanted to celebrate that even more, so we're doing something today that we've never done before. I wanted to announce the Good Dad Giveaway, and this is a full year of coaching With inside the Bedrock community, you will get into the best shape of your life. You're going to establish consistent and daily habits for your fitness, for your kids, for your marriage, for your faith, and you'll be surrounded by a genuine community of men who are going to take you to the next level. Uh, To apply, uh, we're going to award it to just one person. Head over to Men of Bedrock on Instagram, or you can head to my personal Facebook account, and you can find the Good Dad Giveaway post. 
There's some instructions there about what you have to do to apply. If you're not on social media, you can just email me that you'd like to be uh, considered uh, at adrian at menofbedrock.com. The deadline to apply is Thursday, October 5th at 8 a.m. Eastern. Thursday, October 5th at 8 a.m. Eastern. The link of all of this is in the show notes. And we just want to celebrate, along with Dr. Meeker, one good dad, and further equip that individual for their fitness, for their family, and for your faith. So uh, jump on over there, get your application in, and uh, as soon as you're done that, come back here and enjoy my conversation with Dr. Meeker. We are incredibly excited for this conversation. My wife and I, as we were raising our young sons, had a few authors that we decided we are going to really listen to these voices. And one was Dr. Meg Meeker. And I am just so pleased that Dr. Meeker could join us on the podcast today. We'll get into all sorts of things about dads, about parenting, about kids. But first, welcome. Uh, thank you for being here with us. Oh, I'm so delighted. And it's really genuinely my privilege um, because dads in particular are my heart. So I'm thrilled to be interviewed by a dad. Um, and so I just hope that our time together will be a great blessing for those who are listening, because that's what it's all about. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about your writing first, as, as I've, been in, I've been an English teacher for 16 years. And so I always love talking to authors. Um, we've read all of your books. Which was your favorite to write, if we can start? Or were they favorites for different reasons, I suppose? My favorite was Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. And, and it's been the most popular, you know, and it's interesting because it was easiest for me to write. Now, as a physician, because I'm an MD, everything I write needs to be backed up with medical data. That's how we're trained. But when I wrote Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters, it was very, very personal to me. First of all, I wrote out of the inspiration of my father, who was a good dad, you know, he wasn't a perfect or I don't I guess he's it was a great dad. People read the book and think, oh, my heavens, you must have your dad must have been amazing. He must have had like a PhD in psychology. No, 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 no. He got all the big stuff right. And he was there for my inspiration. The other inspiration was my husband, who is my medical partner. We work together. We raised three daughters and a son together. And so it felt as I was writing that I was writing about fathers on a very, very personal level. I was mm -hmm. also allowing fathers to see a peek into the minds of their daughters. And so I, as I was writing, I was thinking about specific dads and specific daughters in my practice. It was also very positive. I decided when I wrote the book that I would not say one negative thing about a dad because dads get plenty of that. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, a big part of my reason for writing it was to say, okay, rather than just criticizing dads all the time, let's show people what dads, or let's show dads what they do really well. So it was positive and it was personal. And I loved writing that book. That was by, by far and away my favorite book to write. Why? Let, let me ask you. I mean, I, I I could probably just take all my questions from that <laughs> answer uh, uh, there, but I want to start with the big stuff. Uh, you, you said that your father got the big stuff right. Um, I think dads are often hard on themselves. I think this is a generation of dads that is asking better questions, like how do I be more? How do I do more than just bring home a paycheck, so to speak? Um, 
but they can be too hard on themselves. I, I, I find some of my dad friends, what's the big stuff? Like do these things. I'm so grateful uh, that you said that. I will tell you about 50% of the dads that come to me after I've given a lecture, whatever, begin their questions like, I know I'm not doing a good enough job, but would you tell me how? And I go, wait, 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 wait. How do you know you're not doing a good enough job? Well, I don't know. I just, I just think I am. I, I, and so there's a real sense of um, lack of self-confidence in fathers. And I really want to get that back because what their son and their daughter need is very simple, but it's hard to give and you have to be intentional. Your kids want your attention. Now, they don't want you to hover over them. They don't want you to drive them crazy. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? They want you to look them in the eye at the end of the day when you walk in from work. They want you to get off your cell phone and look in their face and ask how their day was and mean it. They want you to listen to them for five or 10 minutes because one thing dads need to know is this about kids. And incidentally, I'm not a father expert. I'm a kid expert. And my job is to help fathers see what their kids are thinking about them and what they want from them. So first, your son or daughter, I don't care how old that son or daughter is. Even if your daughter or son is 55, they want your attention. They want to know that you see them, that you like them, that they're important to you. The set, and, and you can show that, that to your kids in five minutes during the day. Here's what dads need to realize. If you give your kid five minutes of attention a day and say three days a week for a year, your kids will tell their friend that every single day, your dad spent an hour with you every day because in a child's mind, the time you spend with them is expanded. For instance, my dad um, would sometimes take me to work with him on Saturdays. We lived outside of Boston. And then after I would sit at his desk and, and you know hear his friends talk, he'd take me into Harvard Square and we'd go to this little cafe and we'd have donuts or whatever. He probably did that five times. It felt to me that every summer, once a week, my dad took me, that it was so important to me to have my dad's focus, single focus, and to talk to me and treat me as though I was really important, that it expanded in my mind. That's what happens in a child's mind. Dads need to know that because whether you spend 15 minutes talking to your kid and listening to them throwing a baseball in their mind. It feels like an hour. Second thing your kids need. This is particularly true for boys, daughters, of course. And I mean, teenage daughters and teenage sons, they need you to touch them. They need your affection. They need you to hug them. They need you to touch them on the shoulders. Human touch. Let's us know we are loved and that whoever is touching us likes what they see. People who are not wanted don't get touched. I think that was one of the biggest 
things that caused teenagers to sort of go over the edge at, at COVID. They weren't touched. They weren't hugged. Um, human touch and human love from a person that you adore and look up to and want desperately for them to admire you is extremely important. Can I, can so, I ask you said, you said for teens, Dr. Meeker, like my sons are, you know, six, eight, ten. I walk in the door. It's like shirts off and we're wrestling. <laughs> that's how men bond. Right, that's right. how boys bond. Yeah. yeah. But I meant the touch at teen years. Those are more awkward years. How is it? They're completely, they're completely awkward. Yeah. But you're men. <laughs> you can do it. Yeah. You can yeah. think of the things that you do in your life. You're an entrepreneur. Yeah. You just started a company. You can hug your 15-year-old son. Yeah. See, here's here's where here's where dads get tripped up. They take their kids too personally. Okay. Mm. Your daughter walks down the stairs into breakfast. She's 13 years old. This kid that used to sit on your lap, your son that used to wrestle with you and love fighting with you. All of a sudden, they come down and they look at you like you are the ugliest, creepiest person in the entire world. <laughs> Go away. But here's the problem. You believe them. Mm. You take it personally. When a, when a teenager gets snarky with their dad, it has nothing to do with dad. It has everything to do with them. Um, that 15-year-old boy feels so insecure that he projects it onto you okay you're a man he isn't you he doesn't know if he's going to get there um you're strong he isn't you're smart he isn't you're you're good at this he isn't he needs you you don't need him it's very complicated in his mind but it's not about you what he needs and your daughter needs you to do is pursue them gently 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 when you retreat from that kid and go, okay, you don't like me. I won't hug you. What they hear is, yep, you're not, you're, you're no longer okay with me. You are pretty weird. You are pretty odd. And oh, by the way, you're doing what teenagers in the U.S. are supposed to do, which is be kind of an obnoxious jerk and not want your parents. What you really need is all your peers. Those are wrong. Those are wrong the single most important factor in raising a strong young man and a strong young woman is dad connection, dad pursuing them, dad being there. You don't have to be obnoxious. You don't have to chase them down. If they don't want to be touched, you touch them on the shoulders. You kiss your daughter on the top of the head when you walk by her and she's studying. You grab her and you give her a squeeze when you come home. And I'm so glad to see you. Same with your son. Mm. How long does that take? 15 seconds. Because it lets that son or daughter know I'm, I'm really okay. And if I'm okay in my dad's eyes, guess what? I don't care what other people think. Because my dad is my dad. He's, yeah. the, he's the big guy. Well, and, and any new habit is going to feel awkward the first time, right? Like the first time you kiss your, your teenage son, it's it's like the first time going to the gym or the first time like making a different choice about what food you bring. They all feel awkward initially. It feels particularly if you had a dad who never hugged you. Yeah, that's right. If you had a dad who wasn't there, who was absent, who was hurtful, who really hurt you or was never around, never touched you, it's going to feel weird. So start slowly. Touch your kids on their shoulder. Mm. That's it. Okay. 
I didn't I didn't want to move off the big things. I, I, I kind of derailed it a little bit, but we said five okay. minutes a day. We said touch. Anything else you would add to the big yes. things list? Yes. Attention. Yeah. The the 15 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, shut your cell phone off. Look at your kids in the eye and the face and see them. Affection. Okay. Touch them. Affirmation. Affirmation. Now, I don't mean affirmation like you are so good at soccer. I'm so proud of you. You always score the winning goals. You affirm their character. You mm. affirm them as a son or daughter. I am so, I am the luckiest father in the world to have you as my son. Then he'll say, why dad? Why dad? Because, because you are my son. Don't tell him what he does well. Tell him. Because you're, you can be strong, you have courage, you're patient, you, you look through the virtues and you pick one or two that your son or daughter is good at, and you affirm that three things, three mm -hmm. things, affection, attention, affirmation, start there and yeah. build on that. Yeah, it's going to be hard at the beginning. Those are the big things. And they cover a multitude of sins that you will commit against your kids, like scream at them, forget to go to a game, whatever. They'll, they'll cover all of that. And, yeah. and dads need to know, don't worry necessarily about the words you say or the money you bring home or the house, whatever. Your kids don't care about that. Mm. I think I think this idea of, of worrying, what dad's worrying about is, is interesting. I, I'd love to explored a bit i your new book raising strong daughters in a toxic culture um i'm curious why you chose the word toxic actually um it's this word that's get throwing around it's 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 all over the place right um and i think to do let's call it the triple a treatment what you've just described attention affection affirmation the triple a treatment um it almost feels countercultural at times it almost feels like a dad who kisses his kid, that's a little weird. Or, you know, a dad who looks his kid in the eyes, that seems a little weird because more people like go with the flow. Well, they don't really want us to be around them. You know, they just, they kind of fall into, I don't know, taking things personally, like you said. Is the culture of fathering, what about it is toxic? I'm I'm, I'm curious about this oh, question. So here, it's toxic towards dads. It's toxic towards daughters. And the toxicity toward the daughter is this. Girls and sons are, are spending less and less and less times with the things that really matter, their parents, particularly their dads. We are, you and I are, first and foremost, created for relationship. Talking, connecting, um, reading one another's, um, not thoughts, but, but listening and connecting. When you begin to push away from that and sp spend less and less time with your father and more and more time genuinely unplugged from what make, gives you life and gives you meaning and gives you a reason to get up in the morning, which is your close relationships and you spend more time with your peers, more time on Instagram and um, social media, more time watching television, more time playing video games, you're, you're breaking that connection to things that give you life. Mm. 
And that is connection with your parents and your siblings and God. If you break those and you fracture those relationships, all bets for a healthy, happy life are off. They're off. A lot of, re and, and, and the toxic culture around girls in particular does just that. It, it, it fractures the most important relationships. It says, come and find your value by looking at what your friends are doing on social media. And girls value, give themselves value according to what they see and read on Instagram, TikTok, whatever. That's why social media is so very dangerous to girls because they go there and they never measure up. They never measure up. And their friend always is prettier, always is. And so the disconnection, so, so social media and, and video games, so forth, the time kids spend on there does two things. It, it, it fractures, it drives a wedge between them and their um, parents and their siblings. And God, time, just look at the time because they don't spend enough time with their parents. And as it pulls them away from that, it makes them vulnerable to what is coming at them. So girls are vulnerable to listening to, to messages they're getting through Instagram, which, by the way, is one of the top places girls get sex trafficked. That's where creeper men find them. On because Instagram. they Yes, they groom them. Hi, you are so beautiful. Your parents don't understand you. I get it. I'm 17. I've been through it. And you see, if a girl is not spending any time or have a strong relationship with her dad, guess what happens? Yeah. And so the toxicity is, is not just sort of getting in between the relationships that matter and fracturing them. It's the coming at the boys and girls after they've been pulled away. So it's a double whammy. And here's the thing. Dads can shore all of that up within months, but they don't believe they can because they are told this. You know what? The world is hard. Um, what kids really need is peers. They need coaches. They need counselors. They need this. They need th they need everything but you, dad, in order for their lives to be better. Wrong. What kids need is their fathers giving them those three A's. And why do I say that? Because when a child is born, a child sees a father very differently from how a father sees himself. You look at your young son or daughter and go, oh, you're beautiful. You're lovely. This is wonderful. What a miracle. The child sees, whoa, this is the man who's going to protect me. This is the man who's going to feed me. This is the man that my life depends on. But you don't see that. You see the child looks to you and needs you, but you don't need your child. That's why it's important to say, I have a 15-year-old son and he looks at me. What does he need from me? Because what he needs from me is very different from what I feel I need to give him. And you're facing what you need to give him 
on what you hear around you. And what you hear around you is, come on, you know what? Dads are kind of duncy. Dads don't understand daughters. Moms do. Dads don't. You know what? Dads aren't really needed because, you know, look at all these women that are having sperm donors or look at all these women that are saying, you know, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. I mean, dads are just dads drink too much beer and they hog the channel changer and they're in their lazy boy all day long. Kids don't want them because they scowl at them. See, there is our affirmation that kids don't need it. So I really believe in a very simple way, if we could reorient a father's thinking to learn to see himself through his son or daughter's eyes, and it's not that hard. Yeah. Because kids are simple. They are. What a kid wants from (laughs) dad is really simple. Yeah. But dad make it very complex because they've Mm. got all of this stuff clogging up their minds saying, no, 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 no. My wife says I don't talk to the kids right. Or my wife says I'm not this. My wife says I need to show up. My wife says I need to this. Sorry, but I was one of those wives. Okay. (laughs) You know, a true confession. (laughs) I was a pill to my husband in our young years of marriage. And I just was. So I know what I'm talking about. I was convinced I knew how to raise our daughters better than he did because I thought like a woman and they did. And I was it was, I, I pushed my husband away at times and, and that's wrong. So if a father can, I, can, can I ask, can I ask why? Like, can I ask why? Like you, you, yeah, sure, sure, it, sure. you didn't, you didn't. Absolutely. You didn't, why? Why? Cause I hear that this is my number one pet peeve. I think in life is when I hear a husband or a wife talking bad about their partner in public. I just hate it. I just, I just oh, want to like, Oh, it's horrible. Like, like at a barbecue publicly, people are just like roasting their spouse. And if they're like that in public, I'm like, what is it like in your home? So why for you? Did you? Yeah, absolutely. And if, and I'm old enough. If I were that barbecue, yeah, because I don't care what people think of me, I would walk up to that wife and I'd say, how dare you? You would. Dare you? Yeah. Here's why we do it. We're insecure. We're immature. And we're self-centered. And particularly as women and particularly as men. But I'm going to talk about women for a minute here. I went to an all-women's college in the 1970s. We were all about beating men at professionally at their quote-unquote game. What they did, we wanted to do. That ushered in women just charging ahead, no matter the cost, beating men. That ushered in the sexual revolution. Women wanted to do what men wanted to do. That ushered in the um, ideology, if you will, that women can do it all, mothers can do it all, be all, supply all, and it begins when a mother's pregnant, taking her prenatal vitamins, we can give our child anything and we are best at parenting, forget about it. We know best. We believe that because we've been told that for years. We've been bolstered up women. And what we've done in the feminist revolution is said, whenever there's a war, there's casualties. And the the casualties in the war of the feminist revolution were good dads. Say that again. The the casualties were good dads. The casualties in the feminist revolution were good dads. Mm. Because we lived with the belief that you can't have 
two people succeed at the same time. Mm -hmm. One group has to beat out the other. And women were intent on beating out men. As as revenge? Like, was it like to make oh, up for history? Yes, in a way. They, they do it out of anger. Yes, yes. They do it out of anger because what they're avenging really is the is the the men who came long before them the fathers of the 30s 40s 50s 60s who dominated their wives and said right. you stay home i'm the career guy just keep getting pregnant and the women in the 70s said no 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 we're not going to do that so out of anger women don't want to admit this but i don't care out of <laughs> anger women said we're not going to do that anymore Okay, we're going to write, this is Betty Friedan, who I thought was just brilliant in the 1970s. Okay, um, and the Gloria Steinem said, no, 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 we're going to get it all over men. We're going to beat them. We're going to take what they have. We're going to, uh, we're going to be not just good moms, super moms. I mean, super moms. Do you remember the phrase, we can fry it up, uh, bring on the bacon, fry it up in the pan, whatever? stupid mm. so anyway it's out of that mentality that we women have been trained to believe in our hearts that we can be everything for our children look at women when a baby is born what are dads told i need to nurse the baby exclusively you can't feed the baby a bottle i'm it it begins there no. And what I tell my patients is no, no, no. Babies need dad attachment. You pump, you give that dad a bottle and you let him rock that baby. Because when that baby rocks with dad, you smell different, you feel different, you sound different. And mothers need to early on learn to surrender that dad has something awesome to give his kids. And when we berate our husband's or our child's father at a barbecue, we are telling dad he doesn't have what it takes. We are better. And what we're doing is we're driving a wedge between dad and his child. Because we believe that child doesn't really need you. And if God forbid you have a bad habit like smoking, or yelling you don't you don't you don't deserve to be around our child take me into that moment of the father at 3 a.m with the bottle and the baby screaming and mom's listening to it from her bed i know what she wants and all her heart is to come and help and support mm -hmm. the father and support the child mm -hmm. but if she does <laughs> or or what do we do i don't think it's a question of oh he's got to fend for himself that's that's too extreme just take me to that moment. I think we can learn something from that. Hey, everyone, quick interruption. I hope you are enjoying the conversation so far. And if you are, I just want to remind you of our Good Dad giveaway. Click the link in the show notes. Consider applying for that giveaway. The deadline is Thursday, October 5th at 8 a.m. Now, back to the conversation. Just take me to that moment. I think we can learn something from that. My, my son-in-law taught me that exact lesson. And I was, I was doing the exact wrong thing, which I'm going to tell you about. And he, and he scolded me. 
When a child is crying at night and dad goes in to soothe or relieve the child, he's scared to death, child needs mom, child needs the breast, what can I do? I don't know what I'm doing. You do know what you're doing. You're dealing with a crying baby. It's incredibly stressful. You have everything mom has to soothe the baby. Mm. Mom needs to stay in bed. Okay. And here's why. Because if she comes swooping in and she begins to nurse the baby, she's communicating to the baby, dad doesn't have it. I have it. I did this one time with one of our grandkids. One of our grandkids was crying and she was probably two and her dad was consoling her. And I ran out to pick her up because I thought that dad wasn't, you know, handling it properly, but he was just very uncomfortable. He didn't know what to do. He was looking at her. I ran out to scoop him up and held her to my arms and she stopped crying. My other son-in-law came out and he said, don't do that ever again. Well, he, and said I that, said, he, oh. he said that to you? <laughs> That's amazing, actually. I gave him permission. There you go. I, I, I gave him permission. I said, I'm a big girl. I can take it. If I overstep bounds, you tell me. Okay. And he said, don't do that again. And I said, why? He said, because you just communicated to Mary, the little girl, that her dad couldn't console her. Grandma needed to. So, yeah. so what what does it boil down to then? The, th that moment at, at, you know, the baby crying, same moment happens when the father is sort of, I, I'm often tasked when we're leaving someplace to get the kids to listen. Maybe my tone is louder in an outdoor space. But in the moment, if I raise my voice more than what my wife is comfortable with, what should she do? I think this is like these things happen where she she's tempted to be like, no, 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 no. Like to come and almost rescue the kids from mean old. Exactly. Dad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's I did it all the time because mm. my husband was very strict, um, not overly strict. If you are being cruel and you're not being abusive but this is your manner and you're getting your kids to listen to you. She needs to back out. That's very hard for a mother. And I found this. If, however, you're going over the edge, you're calling your kids names, you're hitting them um, and you're being cruel. She needs to step in. In the moment, if you're really over the edge, if you're losing control, she needs to step in. But if you're not that bad, then what she needs to do is in private say, you know what, honey, I I know what you're trying to do. Perhaps you should try this or or maybe this, because here's what the kids are hearing from you. You don't reprimand your husband or criticize him in the moment unless he's being overtly abusive. The same thing goes for husbands with wives, because some wives lose it. And with the kids and start screaming and yelling and calling names and the husband stand back and go, well, she's mom. She must know what she's doing. So we have to give each other permission to parent their way to make mistakes mm -hmm. with our kids to stand there and watch. But if they go over the edge, then we need to intervene. Women are very uncomfortable with men raising their voices with our kids, particularly if they have been screamed at or abused by a man yeah. they can't stand it because in their eyes you're abusing your kids so that's what i encourage women to do but we have to give our husbands room 
to move in and parent our kids their way. Not just because we're nice people, but because our kids need dad parenting. Why that that comment is almost political that um I mean this is what I've I've loved about your writing that you say there's some things that only dads can do. And when my wife reads that, she doesn't hear it as some kind of like anti-feminist statement, but some people could. What oh, yeah. what what's been the reaction, I suppose? Like you're a beloved author, so people are are resonating with your with your message. Yeah. But yeah, other than death threats from <laughs> truly. Oh, geez. Well, but but what, what what can dads do? And, yeah. and you know, that only dads can do. What, one of the things that's fascinating to me is when I'm out of line and I would call it like I am out of line. My wife and I, I, I it comes right back to affection, which is what, what you described earlier. She'll just come and touch my arm and it brings me out of the moment. Right. But we have a trust. We have a mutual trust. I, in the moment, I don't turn to her and like back off, like leave me alone. Like and, and I can because you're triggered. But we have some trust there. But I am curious. I've heard you say, what can dads do that only dads can do? It absolutely. It's completely politically incorrect. But we're talking about parenting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I don't care about politics. And my job is to expose kids' hearts and minds to their parents. That's it. Because I've I've been at this over 30 years. I've literally listened to thousands of kids. And I know what they say about their mom versus their dads. And it's very different. Dads carry an authority in their child's lives with a capital A that mothers don't. Mothers have an authority with a little a. Now, that that comment's going to drive people crazy. Think about your own mom and dad if you have your own mom and dad in the home you knew that your dad was very different from your mother. Now, they're equally important, equally important. But in a child's eyes, mom has to say supportive, loving, wonderful things and give him praise. A child believes that because that's a mom's job. If your mother, your own mother, doesn't love you and like you, life's over because why live if the one person in the world is supposed to love you doesn't it's out she's the bottom line a father however a child sees his love as negotiable now it doesn't matter how great of a dad you are it's nothing to do with that in a child's eyes dad can either choose to love me or not choose to love me but if he chooses to love me i am really something because dad doesn't have to praise Mm. me dad doesn't have to show up at my games Mm. you know he doesn't have to be there again this is a child's eye that's the way I saw my parents my dad was so devoted to his family my dad would have taken he would have taken a bullet three times over for any one of us but I still saw my dad's love is negotiable here's a case in point when I was um, 16, I decided I was going to medical school. That was it. Um, remember, Gloria Steinem was my hero. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and anyway, and when I was 21, I applied to all these med schools, went to an all-women's college, didn't get into any one of them. Life is over. I'm 21. You know, hang it up. 
my mother said, oh, honey, don't worry about it. Honey, don't worry about it. You're going to get in. Just try again. You're, you're so great. You're so great. And I heard my dad, who was a man of few words, talking to a friend on the phone. And he said, and I overheard him. My daughter, Meg, will be going to medical school in the next few couple of years. And in that moment, I knew you, I was. You, you overheard it. You like were like walking by the room. You overheard it. I, yeah. I overheard it. Him on the phone. Yeah. And in that moment, I knew I was going to go. Because my dad said it. See, see, that's the weight that a dad's words and belief carry in a child's mind. Now, you can dispute it all you want, but you know every mom and dad or child listening to me knows there's a difference. Dads are stronger than moms. Dads are the protector. Dads are the ones who can beat off the bad boyfriend. <laughs> Dads are the one who set the standard. Where is a kid's mind? Yeah, yeah. You, you, you know what I mean? This is true. And your 11-year-old or 15 or 17-year-old daughter's mind, you are smarter and stronger than that guy. You mm. just are. Mm. Because dad for a daughter sets the plumb line for how a good man is to treat a woman, a girl. Mom can tell her how it's supposed to be done. Dad shows her. And that is imprinted on her heart and it's indelible. Mm. Every dad needs to realize when your daughter goes on a date with a guy, you're in her head. Mm. You're in her head. And she is matching him up to you all the time. Sometimes it's conscious. Sometimes it's not. It's subconscious. But if you mistreat your daughter, if you call her an idiot and you call her not smart, she's going to look for a guy who is even less smart than her. Mm -hmm. You set the plumb line. You are the one who shapes who she is as a woman. Her mom tells her, you show her. Mm -hmm. And we all know that showing somebody something is so much more powerful than um, telling them. So a dad is the one who shows a woman how to be treated, shows her what male, male love is like, shows her how men and boys and teachers are to treat her. A father is the one who tells um, a son or daughter that when you say something, you mean it. You're not just messing around here. The kid believes you and then it becomes truth to that kid these are these are intuitive things and we can come out and say no 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 no. as long as a kid has love what difference does it make just give them love give them an adult and life is good no 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 we all know better we all know that a a man is different from a woman a father is different from a mother the mother is the is is the safe place the mother is the one who has to accept you no matter what right? That's what a mom's job is. I, we're the safe people. Um, but the dad is the one who, when, when all, you know, everything breaks loose in the house, he's the one who's going to make it right. He's going to come in and mop up the mess. He's the one, one who is going to um, put things back in order because he's the strong one. And, and we have so emasculated fathers, we have convinced them that they have no intellectual 
or physical or emotional fortitude that anchors a family. And when you tell kids that anchor is gone and then they are floating through life and they, and, and they're wanting to commit suicide and they're depressed and they're anxious. And then we go, well, why, Hmm. why? Because we've ripped the rug right out from underneath them. A word you used earlier was unclogging that we need to unclog the noise that is going that, that, the dads are hearing, right? We've convinced yeah. dads that their role is to do, you know, work and then be quiet. Like that's your yeah. role, dads. You know, and and it it drives me crazy when you stand around talking with some guys. Hey, man, like, do you want to do this? You want to do that? He goes, ah, oh, you know, I got to check with the old lady. I got to check with my wife. My wife handles all. And we've so normalized these things of men not having a voice. Maybe what I could do, and I'd love to pose just a couple really common things that I think dads kind of aren't sure about. Like, what do we do with this? Sure. One? What are we doing? Let me start with the obvious one. Hit me with cell phones. Like I like go, go on cell phone. I heard you say the other day that a, a, a child should not get access to a phone that has the internet. So not a cell phone, right? Give for sometimes you need a phone for safety, those sorts of things for communication until they're 18. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Well, here's the, here's the bad news. Good news. Um, 24 hour access to the internet for a young boy or a girl is, is trouble. Boys are going to be on porn, not because they're seeking porn out. Porn finds boys. It's on YouTube. It finds porn, porn is on YouTube, right? It was hard to find when we were kids. You can't, it, it's easy yeah. now. And, and so it jumps into your kid's lap. Any normal boy is going to go, <gasps> and stare yeah. at it, even if they're pre-pubertal, okay? Right. Yeah. I remember the first time porn jumped into my son's computer. He was in my study, and he was 14, and I heard him scream. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The kitchen. The internet, 24-hour access to the internet for any teenage girl or boy is too much. They can't handle it. And parents believe, my kid's smart. They're a good kid. They can't handle it. No, they can't. Yes, they're a great kid. And 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 I worry, you know, the good girls are the ones you really worry about because they can't say no to anything. They don't yeah. want to hurt anybody's feelings. Um, so video games, porn's bad for boys. Social media, horrible for girls. Here's the good news. There are phones coming out, the Gab phone, Gizmo, that are, they, they're gradations of them. The first watch they get you can call, you can text people that your parents say are okay. You can listen to music. You can play some games. You can't get on the internet. Okay. When parents feel their, their child's ready to get some access to the internet, then they can do that. They can give them access. There are apps available now where kids, where parents really can control the amount of time their kids are on the internet, what, what places they go to. So what's happening now is a lot of tech people are are tuned into the fact that, gee whiz, this really isn't good for kids. We need to help parents out. There's more help now available to parents to keep their kids off the internet, but still allow them to have a cell phone. And so, um, so parents need to know that. Yeah, yeah, but 18, it, it's funny, like the internet is an addictive substance. It's our first addictive yeah. substance, I think, that doesn't have an age restriction, like gambling, smoking, uh, drinking, they all have ages. 
but not our phone. So when I heard you say 18, I thought to myself, that's going to raise some heads. But I also look at the students in my class who could be looking at porn while I'm teaching them grammar. <laughs> it's like, I'm, it's but true it, though. Yeah. See, so you see it and I see it. My daughter's a high school teacher. And she said, they're the biggest problem in her class. She can't, they're not supposed to have them at school, but they sneak them in. And she said, kids can't pay attention. They're highly addictive. You know, if you've got a kid with ADHD, that's really bad to put them in front of that because what they'll do is they'll get a game in front of them or they'll get something that flips, 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 and they, they can keep concentrating on that and they learn not to pay attention. And I think that, one of the reasons, there are a couple of reasons parents go, oh, come on, it's not that bad. A, we feel helpless to do anything about it. And we're not helpless now. We were maybe three years ago, but we're not. And second of all, we really believe our kids can handle it. Because mm. when it comes to other, we're like politicians. When it comes to other people's kids, they need help. But our kids need what we have to offer. You know, it's, uh, other kids can go to public school, but our kids need these elite private schools because they're different, whatever. Um, but but parents need to understand, you know, your 18 year old son's brain isn't like your brain. It's still not developed well enough. And they still can't figure out, you know, that if I do that, if I look at this today, it's going to lead to consequence. If I do something A today, it's going to lead to consequence B in a month or two years. So I really need parents to understand you're not helpless. There are a lot of things you can do. You know, these watches look just like Apple watches. My husband carries a flip phone. My husband's a physician. He's yeah. on call. And the reason he does, I really think he's an extreme exercise. He does ultra marathons. He knows himself. Once he starts something, he can't stop. Mm. He eats five, 6,000 calories a day. Oh, he can eat a whole box of cereal in one sitting. He knows if he starts looking at websites, he'll just go and go and go. We need to recognize that our kids can't do what we want them to do. So we need to safeguard that. I really believe, I really believe that we're going to see things go back. Yeah. Because enough smart people out there realize that our kids could be in trouble. And all those smart people are helping I like I like that a lot. Um, I, I my kids are a bit younger, so we're not at phones yet, but we're at video games, and mm -hmm. I just I just have to read enough to know that video games are damaging and addictive. So, you, you, you know, there's so many cases we could make for. Well, it's how they connect with their friends. Well, it's fun. There's educational ones. I think in general we need to be more confident in trusting our gut. Like just exactly. You, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And again, when your child, video games are fine for kids, okay? The violent ones are not, particularly for boys. Limit the amount of time because remember, when they're looking at a screen, they're disconnecting from what they need, which is human interaction. Let me ask one more here. Actually, I got two more and then we'll wrap up. Um, give me your thoughts on unclogging dad's minds around busy, busy schedules. Right. Like okay. kids are over programmed, in my opinion. I'm curious your thoughts, just the amount of things that kids are involved with. And then my question is, if they're so involved in dance and, and, and none of these things are bad in and of themselves, what does it mean for like time around the dinner table, time with parents? Curious your thoughts on busy schedules for kids. 
Yeah. I think that busy schedules are um, something that a lot, a lot of well-educated, um, wonderful parents, the, the trap they fall into is getting their kids into too many busy things. I see this all the time. Loving, wonderful parents will overschedule their kids because they want the kids to have opportunities, great um, intentions, and they want to help their kids discover what they're really good at. So they want them to be exposed to a lot of things. But here's what they need to remember. You can expose your kids to all these different things and say they're wonderful at soccer and they're um, they may go to the Olympics in soccer. And so you're, you're traveling with them every single weekend, all through high school. Chances are excellent that that child won't go to the Olympics or they don't have Olympics in soccer, professional soccer or be a pro football player. Um, and chances are also excellent that they won't play a D1 sport in college. Chances are also excellent that you're going to want that kid to know how to study in college. Okay, so clogging up their schedule with all this really great stuff to do does a couple of bad things. A, it sets kids up for um, not really being able to focus on where you want them to focus, which is really... The thing that's going to carry them and serve them well through life is, is, is studying and getting to know people really well. And if they want to play a sport, fine. I mean, that's great. But they're not going to play five. But the other thing that's critically important is the very best, the number one gift that you can give your kids, bar none, is a good relationship with you, a better relationship. Because a lot of those parents have good relationships your kid wants a better relationship. Your kid does not want to be traveling all over. I hear this from kids all the time. Burnout happens in end of 10th grade. I could write the scenario for you. You know, these pre-Olympic kids that are going to go to the Olympics. What kids crave is an authentic relationship with their parents or more time with their parents. I tell every dad of a daughter that every woman takes one man to her grave. It's her dad. And what she wants from mm -hmm. him, no matter how she is, is more time with him or more healing from him. That's okay. exactly what a girl in high school wants, more time with her dad, because her relationship with her mom, her relationship with her dad, same is true for a son, relationship with a mom, relationship with a dad is the core of who they are. And that's how you build a strong core in a kid that's what's going to help keep your kids from depression and anxiety yeah. that's what's help your kids have a strong marriage the way you shore that relationship up is more face-to-face -face time yeah easy yeah. thank you for saying that you can't have face-to-face -face time with your kid if they're having three sports we had a rule in our house one extracurricular activity per kid per semester period that's it one, just it. one. Yeah, that's great. I, I like that. I think schools actually should enforce that. We we see it all the time at our school. Kids want to play four sports. The coaches fight over the kids because they're exceptional athletes. And then these poor kids end up burnt out. Okay, my last one, as we're talking about just giving clarity, is around spiritual development. Um, I think this is something that dads are a little uncertain. Even the term like spiritual leader in your home could offend women, could offend, I don't know, I'm just curious when you're guiding fathers in terms of what their kids need in terms of faith development, hit me. 
Well, here's research says this. God is good for kids. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I've done a lot of research on the impact of faith on a kid's happiness, health, um, uh, how well they do in school, lower the risk of depression and anxiety. And they're, if you want to lower a risk of all bad things in a kid's life, two things, better relationship with dads, because dads in the home are proven to uh, help kids stay on the right track and God. A faith in God is critical for a the emotional health of a child. Um, and here's why. Young kids know there's something more than what we see. Young kids have told me about angels they see. And I don't prompt, okay? I'm not one of these, ooh, you know, tell me this. They tell me. I was scared at night, Dr. Meeker. She was nine. And I didn't know what to do. And I woke up and I saw this person standing in my door and it was an angel. I know it was, and mama go, stop it, stop it, stop it. I said, no, let her talk. Kids know that there's a faith realm, a spiritual realm. When parents come along and don't affirm that or acknowledge that, the kid feels a little crazy. When a parent comes along and said, yes, there's more. Yes, there's God. You can't see him, but he loves you. Guess what? He's your parent too. And he's a lot nicer and better than I am. And I need his help. So will you pray for me to be a better dad? What dad would not want that? We also know that fathers who take their kids to church end up having kids who who or are more likely to stick with their faith throughout their adult years than kids whose mom only takes them to church. Again, is that right? kids, wow. this is something mom has to do. But when my dad does it, he means it. Okay, this has been excellent. We started very practically with the AAA treatment. We've come to some more practical things. If I had to sum up what I'm hearing, his dads have what it takes. Like dads have what it takes. And unfortunately, some of the messaging we've seen has ripped the rug out a little bit from them. Give us a final word, Dr. Meeker, on, on what you would say to a dad who we talk about being consistently good versus occasionally great. That's what we talk about a lot with the men in our group. Talk to one of those good dads who sometimes feels like I don't know exactly what to do. Just give us a final word. To every every single dad out there, that I'm talking to has made a lot of mistakes. You yelled at your kids. You did something stupid. You forgot this. It doesn't matter. No matter how old you are, how old your kids are, it's never, ever, ever too late, too late to have a great relationship with your kids. And I say that not because I know who you are, but I know your kids. Your kids want you and they need you. They need their mom. They want their mom. They need you in a very different way. You feel insecure. Get over it. Start. You know, just if you're not sure what to do, trust your gut and just start. If you feel like you don't want to hug your kid, but you should hug them. If you feel like you want to say something to your kid, but you're scared, say it. Because here's the great thing. Your child's the most forgiving person you'll ever meet in your life because they need you. So when you mess up, you tell them, I am so sorry, I messed up. They'll forgive you much faster than your wife or anybody will because they need you. And you need to know your kids want to. 
They don't want you to hug them perfectly or say the perfect thing. Or the, they want you. So just start and trust your gut. You've got this. I love it. Your kids want you. I mean, maybe you gave me the title for the episode there. That was wonderful. Um, thank you so much, Dr. Meeker. Thank you for being here. Where could people... You have so many great resources aside from your books, of course, but where could people start to learn more about your work and the incredible things you're doing with families? Uh, then go to meekerparenting.com and I have a brand new course called The New Era of Fatherhood. The New Era of Fatherhood. The new era. Uh, we're in a new era. We're, we're starting it, you and I. Enough's enough. Revolution's done. Revolution's done. Men are going to rise from the ranks now. Come up out of the dust and say, we're here. We're here. We can do this. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, you moms, you don't need to come rescue us. We we can we can do this here. Yeah, yeah. I I love you saying this. I need to process this whole episode. Uh, I think it's going to be such a blessing. Please, if you have gotten value out of this, share it to your social media. Tag Dr. Meeker. Tag uh, Men of Bedrock and tag Vince Delmoni. Um, This is the best way to get the word out. These good words. Um, dad, your kids want you. Thank you again, Dr. Meeker. Thank you.